Welcome back to another episode of the Do As I Say, Not As I Did podcast, where the name kind of explains the whole premise, you know? We built our businesses, we made a lot of mistakes on the way, so do the things we're telling you to do, don't do the things that we did when we were building our businesses at the beginning. Uh, each week, I bring on a different guest who is an expert at a different part of the industry, you know, salespeople, narrative people, investment, founders, like everyone who's really smart, we bring them onto the podcast to work out how to actually build a great business. And then together, the guests and I workshop problems going on in your businesses. So if you have a challenge or a fire or just something going on that you want us to talk about and you want us to workshop, we've got advice for you. So if you've got those problems, send them through to podcast at joeldutrapani.com. As always, that will be in the show notes because I know my name is a mouthful to spell. I am your host, Joel Dietrapani. I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Vigo, which is an edtech scale-up. We've grown it through Australia, grown it through the UK, and now I'm in the US because the US is the promised land. It is so much bigger here and there's so much potential for us to keep on scaling. On top of that, I'm also an advisor and a coach in the product space where I help startups and businesses work out how to build great product teams so you can actually build great products because I did that the wrong way for a long time before I actually learned how to do it. And today, I'm excited to be joined by Jordan Allen, who is a very successful multi-time founder. In 2011, Jordan founded and scaled Stay Alfred, a next-generation hospitality platform that he grew to over $100 million in annual revenue, serving over a million guests across 40 markets with a team of more than 300 people. After this, Jordan then founded Dorsey, which is a platform that makes buying a home 100 times easier, which he sold just this year to Auction.io. While Jordan has obviously had a lot of success in business, my favorite achievement is that he took investment from Adam Newman, which means Jordan sold the best salesperson alive. So Jordan is an expert at scaling businesses and he's an exceptionally good sales, uh, exceptionally good at creating sales narratives. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. Welcome, mate. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. No, I'm excited to chat. We've, uh, we've had several chats before, but this is the first one I believe that's been recorded. <laughs> yeah, well, all the ones I've been recording and keeping secretly, but this is the first one we'll, we'll release. Um, well, well, man, before we get into the challenges and, and the questions today, tell us, what are you working on now? You've just, uh, Dorsey's, you know, kind of closed yeah. down a little bit. Where's the, where's the energy going? Yeah, um, well, I've been working on uh, several different things and I haven't been doing a fantastic job on any of them because I keep running down, like on Monday, I'm running north, Tuesday, I'm running east. And then at the end of the week, I look back and I'm like, I'm right back in the middle again. Like I never got anywhere. Um, but, you know, I think that process is, it's frustrating, but it's natural. And it's something that you, you have to do to discover. Like for me, I'm wired wrong. Like there's things I could do that would make money that would be like, go buy a business that already makes money and then scale it or you know, get into like the trades businesses and, you know, consolidate. But I like to, you know, I need to get out of bed and be excited. And so I like to do big things that, uh, you know, have a higher chance of failure. And I, I just wish that was different. <laughs> it's uh, doing hard things with a chance of failure. The founders don't often think right. <laughs> and that that's definitely a good example of that. Well, uh, on that, you know, I guess it's, it's super excited to hear like you're in that kind of experimentation phase. I'm really excited to see what you do next. I know we've chatted about a few of those ideas offline, but you know, I, I'm excited to see yeah. which one you end up going with and, and, and how you scale that well, one once, once you get it out there into the world. Yeah. I mean, like my first love was in the hospitality space. I really love this like intersection of 
like real estate technology, brand, logistics, they're hard businesses. Um, and so it's hard to not go back into the short-term rental space, but man, everybody's getting crushed right now. It's like doom and gloom again. Uh, you know, I'm a military guy. It's like going into Vietnam. You're like, should we go back in or not? And you're talking to all your friends on the front lines and you know, they're all getting blown up. It's brutal. Um, and so, although that's been my first passion, you know, I've started to explore this uh, online retail returns business. And the, you know, it's supposedly like one and a half percent of the entire US GDP. It is enormous. It's a major problem. These really highly efficient warehouses are built to, you know, scale, low touch inventory, get it out as quickly as you can. But when these items come back and they're returned, it's now high touch, you know, uh, low throughput, unpredictable price, unpredictable condition, you know, and nobody's really solving it on a, on a larger kind of national scale. So that's where I've, I've been spending a lot of time kind of assessing and doing due diligence with different partners. But I think that's, there's a lot of promise there and there's a few business models that are interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man, that is, that's a lot of money. One and a half percent. That is a huge amount of, uh, of money to be tackled. Well, yeah, and let's, uh, let's jump into the questions today. Goes into, you know, the incinerator or a lot of it goes into, you know, the dump. And it, there's a huge environmental problem, which is cool to solve, but it's probably the first time that I've got into an industry that like didn't attack, like with, you know, with Dorsey real estate agents felt like it was very threatening. It was, you know, a harder sell because we did make the home buying process so simple. Um, you know, with stay Alfred, the hotel lobby, the affordable housing components, like it was an attack. This is solving problems at both ends of the spectrum. And uh, yeah, it's exciting, but it's gonna be, it's an execution operational business for sure. Yeah, there are some challenges there, but uh, but you've done challenging things before. So uh, I'm excited and uh, we'll stay up to date and uh, we'll get you on we'll get you on the podcast again and we can get an update on that program, yeah, on that program, no, sure, program project, project again. Well, uh, you know, let's let's use the rest of today. Let's jump into some questions. So this first one is called, the scale of my startup is crushing me. I run a startup. We've been in business for about three years now, but things have really exploded in the past year. We went from two employees to 15, from five, from five clients to 35. This sounds like amazing news. This is all I ever wanted, but it's really taking a toll on me. I'm the only sales executive. I'm the only person in my company that can close deals right now. I know this is an issue, I'm working on it. All the same, both revenue and expenses have 10 x If I screw up even the slightest, I will be crushed. I'm, I was sick as hell today, fever and everything. Then it dawned on me, I'm no longer allowed to be sick. So I did my eight hours of sales calls, apologizing to my clients between my coughing fits. Exceptional input and output doesn't even feel exceptional anymore. What used to be exceptional is now the norm. What used to be the norm is now failure. And what used to be failure is now, well, probably bankruptcy. It feels like I've built the thing I've always wanted and now I'm struggling under it being crushed as long as I hold it together. From NecroKing695. <laughs> uh, I, I think we've all been there. I think we've all felt that. Um, there isn't a silver bullet of advice that, you know, is, is like this thing that solves that. 
But I would say the thing that's helpful is, you know, it, it really is about your people and your team. And this is what's worked for me. We like, I wasn't always a big believer in like corporate values, like do things the right way and all these other things until someone explained it to me and I saw the, like the path. And so we had the four H's at Stay Alpha, happy, humble, high performing and loyal because we couldn't figure out an H word that meant loyal. <laughs> and so what, what ends up happening is like when you start to analyze your people and like you have a bunch of negative people that are bringing you down. They hate their wife. They hate their kids. They hate their product. They hate the customers. Like that's you know, you got to be happy. Um, you know, you have humble, like, are they willing to learn? Are they know it all? It's like, it's stressful and sucks the life out of your body when somebody is a know it all. And then they're, and then you know that they, they don't know, uh, high performing, uh, you know, we originally had high work, high, uh, hardworking and we found that there was a lot of people that fed, you know, were a great fit in all of our, uh, our values and they were hardworking, but they weren't high performing. And it just like, you know, we had to change that. So, you know, high performing is like, how are you measuring the success of your people? You know, a lot of young founders, unfortunately, wait a, for a year to tell somebody they're not doing a good job. And it's like, you fired me after a year. You thought I was doing a bad job for a year. You never said anything. So like immediate feedback, you know, and having some like simple metrics that you can track, you know, to see if people are performing or not. Like, obviously it's a scoreboard. You're not running a nonprofit. You're not doing a charity event. Like, you know, you need to have more revenue coming in than you have expense. And then loyal, like, you know, are people constantly threatening to leave? Are they, are they unhappy there? Or, you know, they're going to leave another job for a dollar an hour or, you know, a higher pay. It's like, you know, you, you need people in a startup that are dedicated to the mission because it's so hard. Like everything's stacked against you. It's like landing on the moon. You know, you have to do extraordinary things and have extraordinarily dedicated people to do these types of things. Um, and so if they're not really loyal, then it's kind of like, you know, you don't have room for them on the ship. Yeah. And so with that, with that, it's like, you know, this guy from or necromonger is like, you know, I have to do everything myself. It's such a common founder thing because really it's just, maybe they're not good at delegating. It's like, you should be bringing people on that are taking items off of your plate and they're delivering a product that is better than you could have delivered it. And I also understand like, hey, there's capital, there's, you know, you can't pay everybody big dollars. But what I found is like your big dollar people don't perform any better than your right out of, you know, college, maybe a job or two, hardworking, hungry, want to figure it out. They want to be let off the leash. You know, it's easier to pull people back that are aggressive than to like have to kick people in the butt to get them to go. I don't even know if I answered yeah, that question, I guess but you know. That's right. That's what, that's what this is about. You know, it's about taking some inspiration and then yeah. giving as much advice as we can fit in to, a, to an episode. But yeah. I guess for me, you know, Going from that five to 15 is an uncomfortable position and the way you operate at the five people, it can't work at the same way you operate 15 people. There'll be some similarities and at the end of the day, you know, they're going to look to you in a big way, but you've kind of got, I think you have two key problems. The one is that you're leading wrong and you probably have the wrong people and it could just be one of those things. But, you know, if, if everything is so dependent on you, 
then you don't really have you don't have a good team yeah. and that's because you haven't built a good team so so if you're the only person that can be in sales calls if you're if everything is so dependent on you not even be able to have eight hours off because you're sick because the company's going to die like you need to make some serious changes yeah. like first well, of all I've got a perfect, you've done amazing things man like yeah i've got a perfect analogy for you this. Go, somebody somebody gave me this analogy and that they weren't even in the military but it was it was perfect you know in the military you go through four phases of an operation you have storming the beach you have occupational phase policing phase and governance phase and so when you look at like storming the beach you're carrying machine guns like there aren't rules it's like get off the beach you know anything goes like worry about it later you don't have time to think that's like a startup you know it's like you know you got people that are drinking beer in the middle of the day and they're like you know partying and you're partying with your group of people it's like fun it's exciting like you you don't get to do that same kind of stuff later on then you start to move an occupational phase where hey we got 15 people now like we need a payroll system and we need a you know task management system and we need like we start to build out a little bit of an org chart and like delineate responsibilities but it's still pretty wild and fun you know and then you get into policing where it's like no like you need to show up at eight o'clock here's the like you start putting rules in place and then you go into governance where you're such a big company that you can't really even innovate anymore there's so many layers of bureaucracy like you have to buy and acquire companies to innovate it's a giant cruise ship. Like when you need to turn left, it's like, turn left, 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 all the way down to the engine room. <laughs> and then four hours later, you start to turn. And so the point is like when you put somebody from the storming the beach phase with the machine gun covered in like mud and blood, the cigarette hang hanging out of their mouth, and now put them in like the office setting with bureaucracy and like it doesn't work. Like you take a big time CEO from General Electric and you put them in a five person startup like it doesn't function and vice versa. And so I think when you're evaluating your people, like the people that were the storm, the beach people may not necessarily be the ones that move you into the organizational phase and keeping things on track and managing things daily. Like you're going from a creator to a, to a manager, um, different types of people. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely moving from, from like an individual contributor to, to a leader. And, and that means that, you need to spend less time being a player and more time being a coach. So like you you obviously know how to how to do like really crazy awesome stuff. Like being able to 5x your business this year it sounds like or 7x, you know from 5 clients to 35 or something like that's crazy. Like that that's that's so awesome that you've done that. Well, and the reason but the reason this that can only go so far. Yeah, and the reason this person keeps jumping in is there's like the 5 Cs of of trust. And it's like do you, you know, do you think that person's competent? Do you think they're like compassionate? There's a whole series on this kind of stuff. But like the reason you're jumping in and doing the work for them is because you don't trust them to do it. So like really understanding yeah. that, like why is that the case? And unfolding that is like going to be the only way for you to, you know, continue to grow and scale your business. And then you're going to evolve five or six times before you get there, you know? That's that's a good point. It actually this actually primarily is about trust. So I've gone through this as well. There was a long time where I didn't want to let go of any of the actions in my startup. You know, I want to have complete oversight like and then I'll just take over all of the time. And that that can work for a long time, but you do need to outgrow that. And if you can't outgrow that trait, 
then you can't really outgrow the scale that you've reached and you are going to continually be at risk to you getting so sick you can't work for a day. So it, it takes time, it takes energy and it takes you investing in your people. Investing in your people, you know, give them a chance, give them autonomy, see if they can work, see if they can operate at the level you need and if they can't, and if they can't with your training, you probably need different people mm-hmm. because you, you need people that you can rely on and that you can trust and that can deliver the work. And then once you get those people, then you can you can spend more time leading the company because yep. that's what that's you what know, you need to change. I, now. I, uh, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, you know, I know my team. I, these people aren't going to be the ones to get there. Like I'm going to have to bring in a whole fresh set of people. And like I'm a sports guy. I played college football. And when your coach doesn't believe in you it ruins you and so there there's such a fine balance of you know giving the people the chances because you haven't really maybe seen them get to that level before but you've also never maybe really allowed them to go because they do it differently than you do and you don't like the way they do it but like that's why the scoreboard is so important because like how you score a basket, how you score a basket in a basketball game, three pointer, you know, low down post, free throws. There's so many different ways to score. They're going to score different than you, but like that's why the scoreboards are because like are you winning or are you losing? And that should allow you to get some of the trust to you know overcome that. You know the uh, when people have to hire outside for their promotions or like you're going to open up a new role, they don't believe in anybody in their company. To, like that sucks. There's nothing better than promoting internally and giving people the chance and like, you know, hoping for the best um, before you have to go outside, uh, you know, and it just shows like the organization that you believe in the team. It's hard to do. I, I've had mixed success with that, to be honest. So at, earlier on in, in our startup journey, I was like, it's our people or nothing. And I also think that's the wrong way to approach yeah. it. I think, you know, wh- where we landed is that it's it's about, I need the absolute best person for the role and I will, and I will give you a crack, you know, I like, but it's not promise, you know, if you want to get there, if when this role becomes available, Jordan, I'm going to give you every possible chance. But if you don't, if you don't get the score, we're going to go outside, yeah. you know? So I, I think like it's, it's belief with like accountability. serious accountability. It's accountability. Yeah. I see yeah. this all the time where I hear founders like, gosh, I got this guy in sales or marketing or whatever, and they're doing a terrible job. Well, do they know they're doing a terrible job? Well, I kind of sat down and talked with them. Well, what did you say to them? <laughs> well, I was like, you know, there's room for some improvement. And well, like, did you get specific? Did you like talk about the things like, did you have a, did, like, did you really create a measurable so they could, that's what I love about scoreboards, you know? There's some people that play some ugly soccer that are scoring goals and winning games, you know? Uh, and so like at the end of the day, that's kind of, you know, what matters. Um, are you having a good time doing what you're doing and are you growing and, you know, making the people's lives around you better and like building something the world needs? Like that's, you know, really exciting. Uh, and there's, I just find so many founders that are afraid to talk to their people and let them know that they're having issues with them. And then over time, it builds and builds and builds. And then they, it's the most passive aggressive behavior that you can have. And it scares everybody in your organization. Like maybe I'm the one that's doing a bad job and you didn't say anything either. Like that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. C- clear, clear communication 
and transparent communication and accountability. It's so important. Yeah. But I guess uh, let's try and bring this one to a close here. Let's try and bring this one to a final judgment. So this guy, he's uh, he's radically scaled his business. It's his whole dreams come true. But now the pressure of that scale is crushing him because it's all on him. What does he have to do? What, what kind of change does he have to make? You know, uh, he is so worried and so fear he's, he's his body is overwhelmed with fear of losing and you didn't get to like enjoy the journey like when you look back at anything difficult you did in your life going through ranger school being in combat like those are the best memories i've ever had like the memories of like relaxing on the couch and having a beer like i don't remember really maybe outside of yesterday ever doing that they're not they're not formed memories <laughs> And so I think it's good to like step back and be like, you know, he thinks he's in control of the outcome and like you can influence the outcome, but there's a lot of things that can happen. So enjoy the journey, like understand that like things can fail. You go through market cycles, you get new competitors, you get, you know, the venture world right now is on fire of what's going to, what's going to happen. And so you know, he's built this perfect thing and he's afraid of losing it and it's making him miserable. Like, and he needs to enjoy the journey. Yeah. Enjoy the journey is good advice. So, uh, it's hard to do. And by the way, it sounds easy. It's hard to do because you're like, I took investor money or I, I got people, people are, my employees are getting married and they're getting like, they're, some guy just bought a house. Do they know that we're not financially great right now? Why did he, why did somebody do that? What the hell were they thinking? You know, uh, they just had yeah. a baby idiots. Uh, and it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's, you start to like take the burden on for everybody. And you think that you're a bigger deal in the world than you are. Like, nobody's going to remember, like, you're not that important. Sorry. Like, you know, enjoy the journey, enjoy your family, enjoy your friends. It can all end. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen. Enjoy it. Okay. So Necro King, uh, six, nine, five. At the end of the day, you've done incredible things so far. Like really be proud and enjoy what you've been able to, to achieve. It's not many people ever get to that. And you're right, you know, you've achieved this thing you always dreamed of, but you've gone into a new phase and it's different and you have to manage and lead so differently and you can't be on the tool. So you need to build up the people around you and you need to trust them and you need to put the accountability, you need to give them the space to grow and to achieve that. And if they don't put, you know, if they don't get the points on the board, if they don't score those shots, you're going to have to change them out. But I would say just get a coach, you know, get get a mentor who's done this before and can actually help you implement the, the explicit processes you need because this is a hard space to be and someone who's been there before can, can make that a whole lot easier for you. But uh, look, we'll, uh, we'll wrap that one up. Um, Jordan, I'm still looking for my, uh, my final kind of, you know, sign off for each question, you know. So if you've got any pictures, you can throw them in here, but we've been going with... You've been advised or Necro King, do as I say. So if you've got any pictures, we can, we can add them in at the end of these questions too. Um, all right. Any, well, any pitches? So pitches oh. for how to close the questions out, you know, like a tagline for, for when we give someone advice. Yeah, man, to be able to sum that up in a few words is a, is a high pain, <laughs> high dollar per hour roll. That's above yeah. my pay grade. All right. <laughs> well, uh, we'll move into question two. Uh, I thought this would be good because you know you've you've gone through this uh, a number of times now. What's harder, zero to one startup or one to one thousand scale up? 
I'm hoping to get perspective on a question that I've been noodling a lot lately. What's harder, starting a big, starting a business and getting into product market fit and a little bit of growth, or taking that business and growing it to 10 million plus? I'm also interested in hearing about the various pros and cons of each stage. For example, scaling is hard operationally, or startup is hard due to imposter syndrome, etc. Um, I don't know. Just any advice would be helpful. From Singing Vike. Uh, so this is interesting. I'm guessing this person hasn't gone through a startup before. Otherwise, they, they would probably know the answer. Um, zero to one is like that kind of goes back to the storm in the beach thing we talked about. It's a different type of person. Like, you know, to go through and it is so hard and you make assumptions and you think you're right and they can be logical. They can be sound with psychology and research and and then you're wrong. And you're wrong because of, are you too early? Are you too late? Uh, is the world not ready for it? Like there's so many like pieces of technology that, you know, have, were developed. Like look at the electric car. Like there's a lot of people that were maybe too early or they just like didn't quite have the vision. Like sexy sports car was like the initial starting point, not like science lab dumping garbage in the back and making it run. Um, you know, there's just like, sometimes there's three degree tweaks in timing and they take off. Like I look at Airbnb, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, there was Craigslist, you know, shared rooms and vacation rentals. There was couch surfing, which was like, you know, if they, if it wasn't couch surfing, but it was like bedroom surfing where you got like a whole bedroom instead of a couch, like literally could have been just a bad name that prevented it. So there's, there's uh you know, that's the problem with zero and one is you spend a lot of time figuring out if something's going to work or not. And a lot of people don't have the intestinal fortitude to, to deal with that. Yeah, I think you're right. Like that analogy is really good is about, you know, which, which part of, you know, the, the army analogy is it, but that they're, they're just, I keep flipping back and forth when I think about this, like they're just both really hard for different reasons. And I think it depends on the kind of person you are. I I would say, you know, statistically, zero to one is harder. And that's just because most businesses never achieve that. But then it's hard to say because, you know, the ones that achieve that are special. So they're also just generally able to achieve the scale. But, but finding the problem at the exact right time uh, in a completely unknown world with no resources or limited resources, like it, it's a near impossible task. But then scaling well, you know, it's so I, challenging uh, for different reasons. I got to spend uh, 45 minutes in a cab ride from San Francisco down to Silicon Valley with the CEO of uh, Ancestry.com. And they had two weeks of cash left. Oh, and it was, gosh. do I pay rent? Do I pay my employees? Like, it's fallen on its face. And then they got a call from an investor like, hey, fly to Salt Lake City. Uh, this is right up rally. We're big in like genealogy. So they got a huge check out of nowhere, saved the business. And now they're like, I don't know, multi-billion dollar, enormous company. And like, if they hadn't got that one phone call or maybe that person in Salt Lake had had a bad day or, you know, uh, the market was down or they saw a scary movie on Netflix that prevented them from doing like so many things can happen like that, but they did get that call. And then you have, you know, companies like, you know, remote work that 
you know, went out of business in January of 2020, that if they had stayed around for another three months and had like a collaborative work platform for decentralized offices, maybe they'd be a billion dollar unicorn right now. But their timing was just a few months off. There's so many things that can happen in business that, uh, you know, I think it's easier when you're replicating a, a business that already exists, like a gas station, a grocery store, uh, you know, things that already are around. But when you're building something from zero to one that doesn't exist or that's a totally different change on it, light years harder. Yeah, I guess, you know, I've been thinking about it the same way as you. So I'm imagining zero to one is something that doesn't exist. You know, zero to one when you're copying something, that's kind of, it, it's not it's not easy, but it's it's an order of magnitude easier. And, and I guess if that makes me think that zero to one is the harder thing. And it's because zero to one requires belief in something that doesn't exist and has no proof points yet. So you have to believe in something that no one else believes in it and it makes you seem crazy at times. And yeah. and so like, at least with that one to 1000, you know it works. You know, there are different challenges and it's different scale, but you fundamentally know people want this and it's just a matter of doing the right actions at the right times with the right people. How many, how many times have you heard a pitch where you're like, oh, interesting. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> a year later, six months later, whatever, Five years later, like that is a multi-billion dollar company. You know, imagine pitching Airbnb, like you're gonna have people come sleep on your air mattress in your living room and make them breakfast, air air mattress, bed and breakfast. You know, I've like, you're gonna let strangers ride in your car. I mean, you've all heard about these things. Yeah. I had a guy who's like, hey man, I've got like this fitness equipment. It's a mirror and you, we should hang him in all the Steve Alford units. And like you get, you like work out with a trainer on the mirror. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Six months later, sold a Lululemon for 500 million. I'm like, wow, dang it. Like that was cool. Maybe <laughs> like it's, that's where it's just, you know, everybody is passionate about their thing. You can't know everything. I look at these venture investors and like how they make decisions, why they make decisions. You know, they follow the herd, their safety in numbers, they're investing money. If everybody else is doing it, they don't get fired. If nobody else is doing it, they, you know, they will get fired. So, you know, they're, everybody's kind of following the herd and a lot of that stuff. So to be a zero to one guy, that's not following the herd and doing something new is just, it's a special person. Yeah. Well, look, let's close that one out. I, I think we, we got to a good consensus here. So the final judgment is zero to one is harder. And it's because it, because of the blind faith that you need, that, that belief in a future that you can create, which is, it's magic, you know? And, and, and not to say that one to 1,000 is harder, or is not hard, like that's really freaking hard too, but you know, but you, but you fundamentally know it works. So, uh, well, uh, you've been advised. Um, thank you for, for writing that one in as well. So we've only got time for one more section of the show and that's plugs. So, uh, Jordan, what do you want to plug? What's going on in your life right now? Any uh, any socials you want to plug? Any books you've been reading that you liked? Gosh, what do I want to plug? Um, you know, uh, what do I want to plug? I really like. So I'm I'm a huge classic car enthusiast, and there is a website called Bring a Trailer, and maybe we've. You know, maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not. It's not. It's like the worst name on the planet. People always ask me like their business names and what should it. Honestly, there's so many bad ones out there. As long as it's not like offensive, like probably just 
find the cheapest domain name you can buy. But uh, they have created this platform that is like full disclosure, full confidence to buy a 75 year old car that could have an infinite number of things wrong with it. Um, give consumers the confidence they built a community. And I just think that like the platform they built, we tried to do that for kind of replicate it for Dorsey and we misunderstood some of the real estate agent like dynamics and consumers like passion levels around it. But I just think that this like online auction format to, to process, uh, like hard to price items is going to be a massive wave similar to like how dynamic pricing solved a lot of issues for hotels. I think the auction style model is going to continue to gain popularity because it's the most efficient and perfect way to price. So if anybody has like any kind of auction related, like things that they're doing, like I'd love to know more about it. The psychology, the science behind it is so fascinating of like how it works. Um, so reach out. I'd love to love to. You can put my email address or phone number or something in the the notes here. All right. Anybody wants to take it. Well, uh, get a million spam calls, anyways. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll As include well. that in the show notes. Probably just the email, to be honest. But uh, but we'll definitely put that there and, and hit your up. And then look on my side. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Get out your favorite platform, whether it's YouTube or uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Hit five stars. Hit subscribe. Download every episode. And then, as I say, every episode as well. Pull out your friends' phones, your family's phones, rate and subscribe on their platforms as well because we love the support. Uh, and thank you to everyone who writes the questions in. We love answering these questions. They're super fun. Um, it's a really fun workshop for us and hopefully you guys get a lot of advice. So if you have any questions as well, send them through to podcast at joeldetrapani.com and we'll include them on an upcoming show. And lastly, I love talking about this stuff. Jordan and I always call each other with different ideas. We love workshopping. So look, if you have uh, if you have ideas or questions um, or, or challenges in the product space, book some time with me. My booking link's in the calendar as well, uh, in the show notes as well. You can see my calendar. Let's get on a call. I'd love to kind of chat about the problems you're going through too. And that's going to wrap this one up. So look, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on today. It was yep. really fun to, to learn about some of your experiences and, and your ideas for this space. Um, it was a great conversation. So, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always fun. This has been another episode of the Do As I Say podcast. We'll see you all next week.